As you're taking a seat, go grab your Bibles and go to Numbers chapter 9. The book of Numbers. You don't hear a lot out of the book of Numbers. Um, mostly because a, a lot of Numbers is, well, Numbers. It, it's, it's counting of families. And, uh, and, and it doesn't make for the most riveting reading when you're, when you're getting through it. Um, but what we're going to see this morning is that God led his people. He led them deliberately. He led them faithfully. And at least at times, the children of Israel were faithful to follow him. And we're going to see what that has uh, to do with us as we begin a new year. And, and we do turn the page. And so I have good news. No more celebrities will die in 2016. All right, that's over. And, and, on, and on another note... Somehow, Willie Nelson made it out of 2016 alive. Now, I'm not quite sure how that happened. I, I, was, I was convinced, man, he was going. But, but he survived. Willie Nelson made it out alive. And, and may, maybe he'll live forever. I'm not quite sure. You know, that, um, man, all those, all those old country guys who, who lived hard lives seem to outlive everybody else. So I'm not quite sure, not quite sure how that happens. But... Um, you can continue to enjoy Willie Nelson music. So he is, he is still with us. So as we begin the start of a new year, um, I, I wanted to bring us to this text because I think we see something important for us. Um, throughout the building, you're going to start seeing posters that look very much like this. In fact, there are already three or four of them up around the building. Wherever, whenever, whatever. And if I was to lay out what, what I believe is a theme for us as we look to 2017, I, I believe this is it. Um, and, and we'll see in a minute why out of this scripture passage. So, so I've been impressed over the past month or so that, that God has big things in store for us this year. Now, I don't know what those are. And so let me assure you um, that, that I'm not standing here this morning uh, already waiting for you like at some end destination going... Would they hurry up and get here? Uh, in fact, I've seen some pastors who, who've done that, and I don't think that usually ends well uh, because they'll end up getting frustrated because they, they have uh, laid out this vision in their minds that is so far ahead of where their people are ready for, and then they get frustrated as they're trying to pull people along. Um, so, so let me assure you, that's not where I am. Uh, I, I don't think that's what I'm called to do. I think uh, my job is to hold the lantern out and, and to say, hey, here's our next step. Um, I, I, maybe five feet in front saying, hey, you can step here and, and it's okay. This is, where, this is the next step that God has for us. Uh, and so all I'm trying to do this morning is to lay out and, and say, let's continue walking this path faithfully. Now, there may be some challenges ahead, um, but I believe in, in a verse that we'll see as we get on uh, a little bit later on, when Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a light to my path. Um, I don't think that's a halogen spotlight where we can illuminate the path for the next 300 yards. I think we're talking a Coleman lantern and we can see the next five feet. We, we know the next step that we're supposed to take. And so um, as we enter into a new year, all I want to call us to do is to, con to continue to take steps to follow after the Lord and follow where he leads us. Uh, so on one hand, this message is going to be very simple. In fact, I don't, I, you look in your bulletin, I don't even have an outline for you this morning. So wherever, whenever, whatever, that's it. That's it. It's simple. But I, I think as you will probably understand and attest to as well, it's much more difficult to 
do that than it is to say, yes, I'm up for whatever. Well, God leads here. Whoa, hold on. That wasn't what I signed up for. <laughs> um, so, and, and let me also be clear. I, I'm not calling us just to make New Year's resolutions. Uh, because here's the problem. They usually don't work out. And, and, and let me tell you, you are probably not going to lose 45 pounds by January 15th. Okay, I'm sorry. To, sorry. <laughs> if I'm the bearer of bad news there, I'm sorry. All right, just, but, but listen, our... our Our New Year's resolutions often fall flat because I think we go into them saying, boy, this is something I've just got to do, and I've just got to white knuckle through this thing. And so when it comes to uh, making New Year's resolutions as a church and and in regards to our faith, I don't think that's the way that God has things designed. I don't think he says, hey, uh, here's here's what I want you to do, and, and I just want you to bear down and be more committed and, and just white knuckle your way through. That's not the way God operates. If we want to see God do great things, it's not that we need to be more committed to him, it's that we need to be more surrendered to him. And there's a big difference. Because commitment is all about what I can do, and and being surrendered is all about what he wants to do in and through me, if I will just get out of the way, oftentimes. Um, And so as I said, we will talk more about this in just a minute. So go with me to Numbers chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 15. You've been, you've been standing up and down a lot. I'm not going to make you stand. Just, just follow along with me. And then when we're done, don't close it because we're going, to, we're going to flip just a few pages over in Numbers here in just a sec as well. Uh, so Numbers chapter 9, starting in verse 15. This is what uh, we read about the children of Israel. It says, On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. And at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord the people of Israel set out, and at the command of the Lord they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning. And when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether it was two days or a month, or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. Look at verse 23, because this is the key. At the command of the Lord they camped, and at the command of the Lord they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord of Moses. Father, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the start of a new year. In many ways, a new beginning maybe for some of us. Um, And certainly a reminder that you are still in charge of our world, that you are in charge of our lives, and you are in charge of this church. So we pray that you will lead us this year, that you will show us your plans, and where you lead, we will follow, and where you say stay, we will stay. May we be faithful 
to wait when you say wait and to go when you say go. Wherever, whenever, and to whatever you've called us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so, so here's the story. Maybe you know the story of the children of Israel. Moses leads them out of Egypt in Exodus chapter 12. They cross the Red Sea in Exodus 14, and then Moses receives the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. And, and the book of Exodus covers uh, that period from the time that they left Egypt until two years and one month later. And the book of Numbers picks up one month later after the end of Exodus. The book of Leviticus covers in between. All right, so, so we are now two years and two months after um, the Exodus. And, and what Numbers does is Numbers covers the, the, the children of Israel's journey in the wilderness. In fact, in the, the old Hebrew name for this book was simply called the wilderness. It, it chronicles their journeys in the wilderness. And, and uh, the people count and see exactly how many tribes. And so that's why there's a whole bunch of counting and numbers and censuses in, in the book. Um, but in the middle of the book of Numbers, we have this passage that talks about how the children of Israel followed God. Now, this is before they reach Canaan for the first time. This is before they reach Canaan. And we'll read that account here in, in just a second. So, so the, the, the passage that we have before us is so simple, and yet it's very profound. Because we're told that the people waited on the Lord to move. And when the cloud of the Lord's presence moved, they moved. And when it stopped, they set up camp. And they might be set up for a day. They might be set up for a month. They might be set up for longer. But verse 23 tells us they were obedient to follow the Lord's leading. Wherever he went and where, whenever he went. They didn't try to get ahead of him. They didn't try to go their own way. They didn't say well, the cloud headed off this way and they went, you know what? We've been following this cloud for, for long enough. Let's head out the other way. No, they were faithful to follow the Lord's leading. Then we get to Numbers 13. And so, the, so Numbers 9 tells us this story. Then we get to Numbers 13. And so if you will turn over there and we're going to pick up in, in uh, chapter 13, verse 25. Because as much as I would say this example of the children of Israel, we are called to emulate, there's a lot that they did we should not follow. Okay? So, so have you ever known anybody like, like they, they, uh, your parents maybe at times were really good examples of things you should do, and then at times there were examples of things like you shouldn't do? That's where they say, uh, do as I say, not as I do. Right? Do you ever hear that? So, so in, this, in this instance... In the passages before us, we see, it, we see an example that we should follow in the children of Israel's lives, where they followed God. And then we're about to read an account that should caution us about what not to do. Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. They had been faithful to follow the Lord. And then we reach here. This is right after the spies have been sent to go scout out the land of Canaan. It says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. 
It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there were, we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came uh, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Start of chapter 14 says, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Look at verse 4. And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now think about for a second all that they had seen God do. Moses returned from 40 years in the wilderness and assured his people that God had heard their cries and that they would be released from their captivity in Egypt. And even though that didn't happen maybe as smoothly as some of them wanted to, through miraculous signs and wonders that God performed, they were released from Egypt. Then they get to the Red Sea, and it feels like God's plan has imploded on them. But they're literally between a rock and a hard place, or a hostile army and a lake (laughs) and a sea. And God comes through and miraculously delivers them from the Egyptian army. Now you would think that at that point these people understood God has our back. God has a plan. And if we will follow him, he will fight our battles for us. Until they get to Canaan. And they reached that point and they said no more. It would have been better if we died in Egypt or even if we had all just dropped dead in the wilderness. Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now, lest we are too hard on these Egyptian or on these Israelite brothers and sisters, have you ever been in a church where the common talk was always, oh, if we could just go back to so and so? Do you remember the big tent revival we had in the 1950s? Oh, if we could just go back to that. Folks, listen, there is no going back. The plan of God and the history of redemption move one way. We go forward Now, there's some other things here for us to to understand. The majority is not always correct. The majority is not always correct. 
Now that's difficult to hear in a congregational governance system, isn't it? Folks, we are not a democracy. We are a theocracy. We serve one king, one ruler, and I'm not him. And neither are you. (laughs) And oftentimes, his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Now, now, now really quickly, we have some restraints in, in that God will never call us to do something that goes against this word. So, so when we say whenever, whatever, wherever, whenever, whatever, that's not just throwing off all restraint. That, that's saying according to his word, whatever God calls us to do, we will do. But where there's disobedience, there's always discontent. I believe, I believe with all my heart that God has great things in store for FBC Alamo. If not, we wouldn't still be here. There have been several times we've been caught between an army and a sea. And God has miraculously provided a way out. I don't think he does that to let us die in the wilderness. But folks, we have to follow where he leads. We have to take steps when he leads us there. And and like I said, even though I I don't have a clear understanding about what that looks like, I, I, I have a deep sense that in 2017, we're going to see God leading us in some areas. And, and I think some of those areas are going to be uncomfortable. And we can complain. We can throw rocks at Moses. We can say, let's get another leader and go back to Egypt. Or we can say, we will follow where God leads. Because we have this promise in Philippians 1, 6. Paul writes these words, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, that which God has started, he will complete. He won't leave us hanging. So a lot of people, I think, oftentimes complain because we don't have God's visible picture of his presence anymore. We don't have him leading us with a cloud by day and and the pillar of fire by night. And, and so I've heard a lot of believers through the year, why doesn't God just, why doesn't he just show us what his plan is? Like, why can't we get the, the big halogen beam just showing us, like, all his plans for the next 10 years and just lay that out? Well, there are a few reasons for that. For, for one, um, I, I don't think we're ready to see what he's going to do over the next 10 years. For, for two, that's not the way faith works, <laughs> Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And also because if we saw that, if God said, here's here's your plan for the next 10 years, we as people would be tempted to say, you know what, God thinks we'll see you on the other side. When we have another question, we'll, we'll, we'll come to you. Faith thrives in the soil of desperation. And 
We don't need a cloud because we have something better. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have something that the children of Israel could not even comprehend. That God was not up there, but he is in here, living in and among his people. So even though we get lured into awe sometimes when we read these stories of the Old Testament prophets and and Moses who met face to face with God and and his face glowed afterwards, we have it better. We have it better Psalm 119.105, we have the word of God with us constantly as a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, like I said, that might mean that we see the next step and we can't see beyond that. And so do you know what we do? We take the next step. And then we wait until we see the next step and we take the next step. This is not a sprint. It's not even a marathon. Sometimes it looks more like a crawl. We have the light of God's word. We have the light of the world. Jesus said to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the ultimate promise that Jesus gave to his followers. When Thomas said, Father, he said, Jesus, show us the way to the Father. Jesus said, Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. So this morning, like I said, I'm not going to call you simply to commit to doing better. I had, a, I had a gentleman challenge me this week and he said, he said, go through the New Testament and look and see if see how the word commitment is used in relation to, to following after Jesus. And it's not. The word commitment's not used. The idea of surrender. Remember, remember Jesus, what Jesus said to, the, uh, to his first disciples when they were out there mending their nets after they'd been out all night fishing. He doesn't come up and say, hey, commit your lives to me. What did he say? Follow me. He says, follow me. In other words, he's leading and we follow. Remember what the disciples did? Said they left their nets and they followed. My call to us this year, and these posters you will see up around throughout the year because I I believe this is what it's going to take, that we will follow Wherever, whenever, and whatever. You're going to hear a lot of messages this year. In February, we're going to walk through the book of Nehemiah together, which is a call to rebuild the the, the people of God. It was a call for them to return home and begin rebuilding the promised land, the, the city of Jerusalem. A call to prayer. But throughout the year, you're going to hear these three words over and over and over again, wherever we are. Wherever, whenever, whatever. Wherever, whenever, whatever. 
Because if we want to see God do amazing things, which I believe he has in store for us, it takes that kind of radical surrender to what he is calling. Now, again, let me assure you one more time, I have no hidden agenda here. I don't have I don't have building blueprints sitting in a drawer in my in my office wait just you know waiting for you guys to get on board so we can get no I, no I don't have any of that but I'm just crazy enough to think that that God's gonna move that he's gonna work and that he's gonna use the people in this room to do it so I'm going to ask you to do something. If, if you are able, and I know not everyone is, if you are able, I'm going to ask you just to join me down here at the altar. Maybe you need to sit on the front pew. That's fine. But I want to lead us in a time of prayer this morning. Not only for our church family, for our individual families, for our nation as we're getting ready to experience some pretty significant changes in, in our nation as well. For our world. And we're going to spend the next 10 minutes or so just, just praying. So if you are able and you can come down, I want to invite you to come to the altar. And if you need to sit on the front pew and do so, that's fine. If you, if you need to stay where you are, that don't, don't feel any kind of pressure. You can do that. But join us in prayer from your seat. The first thing I'm going to ask us to do is to pray for you and your family. Because that's where it starts. If we want to be a church who's following after God, we need men and women who are surrendered to him as well and so maybe you're here with your family and you just want to you just want to gather them and and say a prayer with them if that's the case um take that and let's take a couple of minutes and then i will lead us into a time of prayer for our church Now I want to invite you to pray for our church that as a church body in this year we will be surrendered to the Father's leading wherever, whenever, and whatever that looks like. Take a few moments and pray individually and then I will 
lead us together. Father, we cry out to you as a church body. Seeing the way that you have sustained this church through some awfully rough years. And believing that you have done so because you still have big purposes for us to be here. So, Father, while we have no idea what this next year holds, we believe that you do. We know that you have a perfect plan. And so we say, as a church body, that we are surrendered to your leading. Have your way in and through the body of believers gathered as First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. Whatever that looks like for meeting space, whatever that looks like for buildings, whatever that looks like for property, we surrender ourselves to you. Will you give us the faith and the trust to follow you one step at a time? Would you give us your strength and your wisdom when we have to make difficult decisions? And will you give us unity regardless what comes our way? That we would be united together as the body of Christ who call themselves First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And now I want, to, I want you to spend just a few moments praying for our nation and our world. You know that in less than three weeks, we're looking at a pretty significant change in, in our nation. And there's a lot of turmoil that's already happening because of that. A lot of, a lot of repercussions that will happen around the world. So let's spend a few moments praying for our nation and our world as we prepare for the time of transition here and, and what that will look like globally.
Father, we look back on last year and it seems like there were so many stories of turmoil and unrest and um, so much of it in our own nation had to do with our presidential election. And as we head towards January 20th, we know there's still a lot of unrest. There's a lot of uncertainty. And so we pray for protection for our elected officials. Father, I pray for integrity among our elected officials. We know what, what happens in Washington, D.C. so often has repercussions around the world, and there's a lot of folks around the world waiting to see what President Trump's administration looks like. And you, you have raised up godly men and women around him, so I pray that that they would be a godly influence on him and on his policies. Father, we pray for divine protection for believers around the world, those who are gathered even right now in, um, in rooms illegally. Will you shield them from the attacks of the evil one? And for those who are suffering persecution, will you give them the strength and the endurance to continue to boldly declare the truth of the gospel even among, uh, even in, in the midst of persecution? Regardless of the direction our nation heads over these next four, eight, 12 years, Will you remind us that our mission remains unchanged? We have the best news that has ever graced our world. Help us to declare it boldly. We know that starts as your people get right with you. And so begin that process of revival and God, let it start here. We surrender ourselves to you and to your will. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.